And so I want to pick up on that, and I believe I have an encouraging word for you today. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open it up quickly to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, I believe it's chapter 12. And then you can keep your finger also in Jeremiah, the first chapter of Jeremiah. I'm going to flip over there here in just a moment. But just as we sort of springboard into what I want to share this morning, in John 12, 24, Jesus is speaking, and he begins to speak of a grain of wheat, a seed. And this is what he says. He said, most assuredly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. I've tried to understand that for years, and I really believe because we just were teaching on this subject, it really just was solidified in my heart. What he's saying here is, is that when a seed goes into the ground, it dies. In fact, there's something that happens to it that, that literally dies. It, but if it doesn't go into the ground, if it's not planted, what happens is it remains by itself or it's turned into itself or it's alone. Do you understand that the nature of self or the nature of selfishness is that you're, just, you're consumed and really you're all alone because you don't care or want or desire anything to do with anyone else? And, and so he uses this analogy with a seed. He says that unless it falls into the ground it die, and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, he says, it produces much grain or it produces much fruit. And so there's going to come a moment in all of our lives when we're going to have to understand that, that if we, and I'm using the analogy of a seed, and you'll understand this better in just a moment, that, that the seed of our, our purpose, the seed of our call, the seed of God's will in our life, the seed of greatness even, that that God has put inside of each one of us, unless that goes into the ground and it dies, unless, unless that goes into the ground and something is broken or something is yielded, it will always become nothing more than a selfish adventure. It will become nothing more than some self-satisfying gratification trip that we enter into and we really don't get the depth and the dimension of what God would want to do in our life. But if we can understand that we have been seated with something from God that is great, and it's awesome, and it's incredible, and if we can reach the point where we can die to all the self-issues that come into our life, if we will go to the cross, and we'll begin to say, it won't be my way, but it'll be God's way. It's not going to be what I want, it's what God wants. It's not just what I think will bring happiness and satisfaction to me, but it's ultimately what God wants, and that will bring contentment and satisfaction. If we can get to that place... This is what the Lord says. The Lord says he will cause you to bear much fruit. That, that grain will multiply and multiply and multiply. And so I want you to get that in your heart. I, I'm not going to zero in on the death part as much as I want to zero in on the seed part. And, and so I've just kind of titled it the need for seed. The need for seed. Whenever you look at a seed, some of you, how many of you like gardens and plants, flowers? Maybe you lived on a farm and you, you know what I'm talking, you, you've seen a seed, you know how they'll sell you those packs of seed and there'll be literally thousands of little seeds in those packs. And, and when you look at one of those seeds and sometimes if you plant flowers or even vegetables, those seeds won't even be as big as the tip of your finger. But when you look at that seed, what you're really looking at is the future. You're looking at Potential. You're looking at the possibility in that little thing of going into the ground and sprouting forth something far greater than what you see at that moment in that little seed. Whatever seed you have, it carries with you the potential of much fruit. Now you need to understand that as a human being, you came into existence by seed. Now I'm not going to give you a biology lesson this morning. Most of you understand the issues of conception and growth in the womb and ultimately to be born but you need to go back to just the beginning and realize that there was a day for each one of us in this room that we started out nothing more than seed seed is not just biological but i believe seed is also spiritual god put not only a, a biological law into motion when a man and a woman comes together and a seed is released and a baby begins to be born and ultimately come forth and grows and comes into adulthood. Not only did God put those things into motion, but the Lord also put, I believe, 
along with that biological happening, a spiritual seed, a seed of greatness, a seed of destiny, a seed of purpose inside of you. He designed you from the very earliest moments of conception with the equipment to bear incredible fruit, to succeed in him and for him and what he ultimately purposes for you to do. Now, I understand what the world says about that little bit of mush in a womb that's called a fetus and they overlook it and they despise it and they devalue it. But I want you to understand here for just a moment what God sees at those very earliest moments of conception. I want to read to you something and and it'll be an encouragement to you. And, And I believe you'll even begin to get the revelation of why the enemy works so hard at snuffing out the seed that's even inside of us. In Jeremiah chapter 1, in fact, I'll probably start with verse 4. Let's read a little bit of what the prophet says here as he hears the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 1 verse 4, it says that the word of the Lord came to me saying, listen now, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you or I set you apart. I ordained you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day to set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now, this is really important. So kind of zero in on this as you're reading the Bible here. What do you see? And Jeremiah says this, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. The need for seed. Now, this first chapter of Jeremiah is obviously touching on the issues of when Jeremiah, the prophet, was conceived. I want you to remember that whenever you read any of these biblical characters, they came into the world just like all of us. They were born in the same way. They came with the same dispositions and proclivities. They came with the same challenges and temptations. Sometimes, you know, I think people read the word of God and they read about Moses or Joshua or Paul or Peter or any one of those high power people in the scriptures. And I think we have this idea that they glowed in the dark. That somehow they were they were different. They they, they, they were just they were special. They were unique. Somehow or another, they, they were a cut above. But I want you just to recognize this day that they came into the world just like you did. If they wore pants, they put them on the same way you put them on. Everything about their life was exactly the same as your life. The only difference is, is that they, they, they understood how to function according to precept and they were willing to receive and yield to the will of God. And so Jeremiah here is hearing the word of the Lord and And God is talking to him about how he was conceived and he was conceived by a man and a woman and he came into the world and and God wants to remind him here that that from the very earliest moments of his maturing and growing there in his mother's womb, he was seeded for greatness. God seeded him to be a prophet. Now I want you to think about that. In the womb, God wired him, designed him equipped him with a future. A future actually to prophesy and to speak the word of the Lord to kings and to nations. And this is important because you really need to get it into your system that at the earliest moments of your life, when you were there in your mother's womb and God formed you and had an idea of what you would be and and your future, that he seated you with greatness as well. He, He seated you with his will and seated you with a purpose. There's a tendency, I think, in all of us to believe that somehow when we come into the world and we grow up in the world, that it's the world that determines our outcome. I I think we've just bought into the lie that somehow says that what environment we grow up in or 
or what our household was like or how it is that we grew up or maybe the education we received or the culture we're a part of or perhaps our race or our gender or societal pressure that somehow or another these are the things that determine who we become. Can I just share with you those things can certainly have impacts and influences on our life but those things do not determine who you become. It is God who put a seed in you to do something for him. It is God who, who wired you and designed you and he made you and had you in mind when you were created there in the womb to bear much fruit, to move into the future with his purposes and to be able to feel complete and satisfied and fulfilled in him because of how he designed you. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it's my wife's favorite verse. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Do you hear that? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The Lord doesn't say, I know your plans that you have for you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, why is that important? It's because greatness in life is not determined by what you ultimately do for a living. Greatness in life is not determined by what it is you accrue or what it is you get, or how much money you have, or, or how much influence you ultimately attain. These things, I'm not saying are bad, they have their place, but ultimately the greatness of life has to deal with the greatness of the seed and God's purpose that he's placed inside of you. There are people right now, some of them are you. You're in an obscure place, you're doing mundane things, you, you don't think anyone knows what you're doing or what's going on. You say to yourself right now, what I'm doing is meaningless. I don't understand how in the world this could fit in the economy of God. And right now you're feeling like you're just out there by yourself. You're invisible. You feel like nobody would give you a second glance. They'd look over you. Nobody knows what's going on in your life. But I want you to know right now that no matter where you are, greatness exists in you, not because of what you do or where you are, but because of the seed that God put in you when you were conceived. You need to get a hold of that. You ever know a farmer? It's a simple life. But don't let the simplicity of the life of a farmer fool you because, because farmers are, are very, very bright people. They, they know, they know that when they go out in the field and they plant seed, their future, their payday exists in that seed. We need to be a lot like that. We need to get a revelation that your future is in a seed. It might not be much at the moment. It might be a little obscured by some other things, but there's a seed in you. And sometimes we need to break out of our self-imposed boxes and limitations and just get a vision once again for the seed that God put inside of us. When God asks you to come die to yourself, he's not asking you just to come die and be empty, but he's asking you to die to your agenda and your plan and your way and your thoughts. And when you die to all that's yours, he then activates all that's his, which will ultimately be a lot better for you anyway. The Bible says that Jeremiah had a destiny over nations. He had a destiny over kingdoms. God says, I, I, I put a seed in you from the very earliest moments of your life to root up and to destroy, to plant and to build. I put these things inside of you. It, it's there as a seed. It's, it's just there in nascent early form. It's a seed, but it's an incredible seed. And you need to understand this morning that God's put something great inside of you. And my question is, have you grasped what God has placed inside of you? I want to ask you, what do you see when you look at yourself? What, what do you begin to picture when you look at your life and yourself? Jeremiah was asked the very same question. Is that not interesting? God looked at him and said, what do you see, Jeremiah? And his confession sort of gives him away here as I began to think about that. Because his confession first says, well, I'm just a youth. I'm just a youth. How many of you have ever said, well, I'm just a? Anybody ever have the just a disease? I'm just a. I'm just a laborer. I'm just a mechanic. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a kid. I'm just a high school graduate. I'm just a dropout. I'm just an usher. I'm just a connect leader. 
I'm just a nursery worker. Hey, you know what? There are days I go, I'm just a pastor. You ever get the justice? All Jeremiah could see was he's just a youth. And then God asks a little bit more when he, when he gets into the prophetic area. He says, well, well, explain that or tell me that. And he says that all he can see is a branch. All he can see is a branch. This is what Jeremiah, I think, is saying. He says, all I see is a twig. I just see a branch. I just see a little stick. When God's saying, you need to begin to see the oak tree. You need to begin to, to see the full product here. Jeremiah couldn't see ultimately what that seed of greatness was inside of him. And God is very much trying to help him see with his eyes what God sees with his. And that's where destiny and that's where purpose starts. It's by getting a revelation of God's intention for us. It's by grasping the potential of the seed that he has placed inside of you. Everybody here, without exception, I do not care who you are. I don't care your gender, your race. I don't care about your background. I don't care if you were conceived in the back of an old Oldsmobile or if your parents had the perfect, pure relationship that brought you into the world. It doesn't matter to me. God seeded you with greatness. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You've been seeded uniquely by the Lord. God seeds individuals. I believe he seeds marriages. He seeds families. He puts seeds in churches, businesses. God seeds things. Why does he do that? Because he wants them ultimately to bear much fruit. But unless there's seed, there's no fruit. But you got to start seeing the seed. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple examples. You'll know these very quickly because we've talked about this guy a lot here at legacy you remember jacob you remember the liar usurper manipulator the the one who just had so many character defects you couldn't even count them and and here he is this guy who is just an an, an ultimate sort of a, a a sweet bad guy and god speaks this great word of destiny over him he begins to speak to jacob and tell him that he has a promise he begins to speak to Jacob to tell him that, that, that the Lord has this, this incredible inheritance and this multiplication that will take place through him. And here Jacob is, he's a scoundrel. He's absolutely out of order. He's got no character. Everything about his life is just dysfunctional. But yet God speaks to him and talks to him. And he begins to, to seed, I believe, not only in him, but begins to reveal to him that seed as to who ultimately he is supposed to be. We need to remember right now, and, and, I, and I love you. Everyone knows I love you. I know some of you right now, you are out of order. You struggle. You're a little dysfunctional. That things aren't happening right. You go around the mountain. There are all these sorts of things. People scratch their head at you and all the rest. And can I just say, yes, you need to get those things straightened out. But here's the good news. God still sees that seed of potential in you if you start seeing it. You got to start seeing it. You've got to understand what God has put there inside of you. That's why I, you've heard me say this before. The town drunk could come to an altar. And he could get a word from the Lord and it could blow you away and it could be an incredible word of promise and blessing and, and help and future. And I know what church people do. They look at that and go, doesn't God know who he's talking to? Yes. Because God's not looking at where you're at and who you are at the moment, but he's looking at your future and what you could be if that seed was allowed to blossom and bloom and grow. That's what God's looking at. I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. God doesn't like looking at sin all the time. So he looks at our future. He looks at our seed. And while he's speaking to us about what our seed is, he's beckoning us to come to the cross to deal with the sin. You know the guy by the name of Gideon. You know, Gideon's an interesting guy because it talks about him really not being much. In fact, you'll remember the story that the Lord ultimately calls him to be the leader of the armies in order to fight the Midianites. But what's interesting is in the first chapters when you meet Gideon and the angel shows up, the angel looks at Gideon and he says, oh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, who, me? That's exactly what he says, because his words were, you've got the wrong guy. I am the least in my father's house. That's what he says. But yet the angel looks at him and he says, oh, mighty man of valor. 
That's how God sees things. We think, what, who, me? You're, you, surely you could be talking about me. You've got the wrong guy. You don't know. You don't know where I work. You don't know what family I grew up in. You don't know my heritage. I try to hide those things from most people. You just don't know. And God says, no, I do know, O mighty man of valor. Your destiny is in that seed that's inside of you that at this moment you may not be able to see, but God's trying to reveal it. And it's critical because you were designed to operate from the inside out, not the outside in. You were designed to operate from the basis of that seed that God put inside of you in order to begin to face life and not let life begin to determine the terms or the outcome for what it is that God has asked you to do. Man looks on the outside, but God sees the inside. I've heard people for years, they say, well, God knows my heart. Well, I understand what they're saying. Usually they're trying to wriggle out of something God's trying to deal with them about. But there is an element of truth. Yeah, God does know the heart. He does know your purpose. He does know his destiny. He does know his plan. And he's saying, won't you please yield to it? Because ultimately, it is what will bring blessing and help to your life. And I've preached destiny for years. And you wonder, oftentimes I do anyway, why some hit destiny and why some don't. Why it seems like some people can move forward and they find the success that awaits them in God and some don't seem to ever get it. And sometimes it can be just as simple as this. They're too busy looking at everything else and not remembering the promise that exists within them. The seed that's in them. Many look, but few see. Now I want to share with you what your seed will do. If you can begin to understand that God is, has designed you and wired you uniquely, and you can begin to see that, I want to share with you what your seed will do. In Proverbs 18, verse 16. Proverbs 18, verse 16. There's a verse that you've heard before, I'm quite sure. But I want to just unfold it a little bit more. It says that a man's gift makes room and it brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for itself and it brings him before great men. Now, I, I want to talk about that for just a minute. Because most of us have been taught, if we've had spent any time in church and listening to sermons, most of us have been taught gift from the, from the angle, so to speak, of spiritual gifts or something of that nature. But I'm going to suggest to you, as I've begun to study that and looked at it in the Hebrew, I've come to the conclusion that what's being communicated here may be something a little bit different than we've often been taught. Because it's not talking about the gift of salvation. How many of you know that you can be saved and receive the free gift of salvation, but that doesn't necessarily mean you hit destiny. Doesn't necessarily mean you achieve great purpose. In, in fact, the key to, to the gift of salvation is, is that that's when Jesus comes to you. We often talk about coming to the cross. I also don't believe it has to deal with the gifts of the Spirit. Because truth of the matter is, I've watched people for years function in the gifts of the Spirit, and they prophesied and spoke in tongues and interpreted and had all these wonderful gifts, but that didn't necessarily mean they hit destiny. And so I don't know that it was the gifts of the Spirit, because that's, that's the Holy Spirit through you. But I believe that the gift that's being spoken of here in Proverbs 18 is the gift of purpose. And that's that seed that's in you, that you didn't deserve, you didn't, you didn't somehow ask for, it just was God's gift to you. Before you could even ask, he just, he put it in you. It's my gift. That's what God said at those earliest moments of conception. Here, my gift, your future. Isn't that incredible? That's the gift. And that can give you a lot of peace if you understand that God's designed you. In that way, let me just share several things that I believe that that seed will do when we get a handle on it. Number one is when you get a handle on it, I think it begins to eliminate jealousy. Because once I understand that God has seeded me, I can rejoice in another person's success because their seed is doing what their seed was designed to do. My gift or my seed makes my way just as their seed makes their way. And if I can get a revelation of that, it enables me to get my eyes off of other successes and, and, and other good things that might solicit my jealousies and realize that's their seed. Their seed will bear its fruit that God designed if they do as they're supposed to do and walk according to the ways that God has created them to walk. And so it eliminates, it knocks out all those issues, I think it ought to anyway, of jealousy. Your seed can do that. Instead of always worrying about who it is that gets the promotion or who... 
goes by you or who gets that or this or the other. All you have to do is saying that's their seed, man. Their seed's producing, praise God. My seed will produce too because God put it in there. Number two, I, I think inferiority is addressed. Inferiority is addressed. I, I, I don't know and we do not, do not know the exact population of the world. There's, there's over six billion people in the world. And uh, I, I listened the other day, th- there was a news program talking about resources and c- could we feed all of these people and are we going to deplete the world's resources and it was that kind of a show and there's all sorts of questions about that. Are there enough? Uh, uh, are there enough, you know, is there enough food? Is there enough water? Is there enough, you know, finance and all the things that people need in order to survive? But I just, I just want to remind you of this, that of those six billion people, there's nobody just like you and there's nobody just like me. Praise God. <laughs> you are not lost in the crowd. There are no duplicates of you. There's no DNA that's exactly like yours. Nobody has fingerprints that are like yours. God created you unique because there's something inside of you that this world needs. Do you understand? Everybody was created with a potential and a purpose inside of them that God put there because he knew the world would ultimately need what you've got inside of you. And so no matter what the world's resources do, no matter what the economy does, you are designed to bear fruit. And that makes everybody somebody in the kingdom of God. That doesn't make us arrogant or haughty, but it is a confidence that God hasn't made junk. He hasn't purposed junk, but he has done something in you that has caused you to be of value to him, his kingdom, and even in this world. It was Eleanor Roosevelt who once said, no one, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I remember for years, for years, I had to work as a custodian. You've heard me tell all those custodial stories. When I was going through seminary, I had to, I had to work as a custodian. And I'm here to tell you, there were days that it wasn't always easy. The reason being was because you were at the bottom of the pecking order. I mean, you were the custodian. The custodian is like here. And everybody else is here. And I can remember going through the hall, and I've told you the stories how people treat you bad because you're the custodian. People overlook you. It's like you were invisible, like you just kind of blended into the wall or the carpet. Because no one really gives a rip. If you walk into a room and there are, are five people that they can talk with and one of them is the custodian, I can assure you, you aren't going to be the one they choose. And so there's this whole atmosphere of feeling inferior. But what they did not know as they were practicing their condescension with me, what they did not know was inside of that obscure custodian was a seed of greatness. And you can't make me and they can't make you feel inferior unless you let them. There's something in you that has to say, I may be sweeping floors today, but there's going to be a day that God will cause me to own this place. I don't know, but I just, I am not inferior. I am not junk. Amen. So that inferiority can begin to be addressed. If you get a hold of what that seed is inside of you. Number three. Competition, I think, can be eliminated. Now, I understand the place of competition in a capitalistic economy. I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about out of Proverbs 18, 16 is this. It did not say, for instance, your manipulation makes room for your gift. It didn't say your political maneuvering makes room for your gift. It didn't say your networking makes room for your gift didn't say flattery makes room for your gift. It says that that seed, that gift makes room for itself. I'm amazed at how many feel like they have to jockey their seed for a position. If you have to jockey your seed around to get a position, if you have to constantly promote your seed and blow your own horn and toot your own resume, you may need to ask yourself, have you really got a hold of who it is that seeded you and who it is that raises you up and sets you down. If there's a seed inside of you that God has designed to produce fruit, then you know what? There comes a moment that you do the things that are certainly asked of you to do, but you don't have to kick down doors. You don't have to run your flag up the pole and wave it and say, everybody see my seed. Can't you see my seed? I see my seed. You need to see my seed now. If it's seed, fruit will come. I mean, you don't, you don't have to, farmer doesn't have to stand next to the road after he's planted his field and say, look at my seed, I planted it. 
Stop. Look. All he has to do is let it do its seed thing. And it will begin to bear fruit. And all will see. Number four, I also believe that your seed will challenge the kingdom of darkness. As I began to think about this, I was reminded in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In the very early outset of creation, there's a verse here that says this. That, that, that the curse or, or, or the repercussion of the sin of Adam and Eve... God said that there would be enmity between the seed of the enemy and the seed of the woman. Isn't that interesting? There would be enmity between these seeds. Now, I'm going to stop here because this is really important for you to get an understanding here. Do you understand that the enemy has a counterfeit destiny for you? Sure he does. Is it not true that the Bible tells us there there are counterfeit or false prophets? The Bible says that, right? As well as real ones. So Jeremiah was called to be a real prophet, but there are false prophets. What does that say to us? It says that the enemy can counterfeit a destiny if you aren't careful. And he says there's going to be enmity because when true seed, real seed, fruitful seed begins to come forth, there's going to be a, there's going to be a challenge to the enemy. Because for every reality there is in God, there is a counterfeit. And how do I know the difference between what is real and what is false? It's because I believe Satan's counterfeit leads to death, destruction. It, it leads to burden. It leads to bondage. It, it, it leads to sin. It leads to all the things. I mean, I, I, God's will is to prosper you. Amen. I mean, that is God's will. And we know that's a part of the economy of the kingdom. But I have watched people prosper and get brain cramps. And the enemy has used that prosperity to ensnare them and entangle them and get them off course. And they are not doing the will of God despite the fact they've been prospered. There is counterfeit in destiny as well. So you've got to get a handle. It's not just about, I've got, a, I, I got this little concept, and somehow that, that endorses or it somehow means I, I, I'm okay. You've got, to, you've got to ask yourself the question, where is this leading me to? Where is this taking me to? I mean, if God prospers your hands and you buy a a garage full of toys, or you buy all the amenities of life, and I'm not saying I love to do great things, and it keeps you forever out of the house of God, that ain't God. I just wanted you to know that. Because I realize no one else will tell people that. So I just decided I will. Where is it leading you? Where is it taking you? Praise God, he's blessed you, he's helped you. But you need to pray that there are other times besides those times that have been set apart for doing the will of God. And, and so there's counterfeit destiny. God's, God's destiny leads you to life and fulfillment. And, and, and it leads you to satisfaction and contentment. And it, and it leads you to those places that, that he, he produces good things from your life. It says that the woman's seed would bruise the head of the enemy. You are designed to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. There's a generation in the earth that will bruise the head of the enemy. I'm waiting for a generation to arise that finally bruises the political systems. Man, they need bruised. We need, we need a seed to arise that bruises the marketplace. A seed to arise that, that bruises all the markets of this world. That is why season, uh, Satan wants you to be blind. If he can get you cloudy, if he can get you veiled and not see your seed, then you can't bruise him. But if you understand what God has seeded in you, you can do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. Now, what do I do with that? What do I do with my seed? Now that I know that I have greatness in me, what do I begin to do with that seed? Well, can I just share this? This is the quick way to the end. It's got to be planted. What do you do with a seed? You open up that pack, you got a seed, just a little seed on your finger. What do you do with that seed? Well, you got to begin to plant it. Your seed was meant to produce... But you just can't sit there and look at it, can you? And just say, produce. Produce. Grow. It won't ever grow, will it? You've you've got to begin to plant it and do something with it so that it'll bear fruit. So let me just share a couple things here. Number one, be sure that you're planting that seed of destiny, that seed of purpose in the right environment. Make, Make sure you're planting that seed in the right environment. Seed grows in good soil. Good soil will give you good fruit. So don't put your seed in bad soil. Don't put your seed, for instance, in a landfill. 
You can't live, can you, in a cesspool? It's amazing how people live in cesspools and think they're going to get good fruit. A fisherman knows that you're not going to get healthy fish if you're pulling it out of a polluted stream. If you want to plant yourself in a culture that is absolutely critical and negative, if you want to plant yourself in a culture that calls evil good and good evil, if you want to plant yourself in arenas constantly that are negative and violate your conscience, your senses, and the will and the word of God, if you plant yourself in that environment, don't be surprised if your seed doesn't produce like you hoped it would. Because it's poor soil. Adam and Eve, interestingly, when Adam and Eve were created, God planted them in a garden. He gave them an environment that they could succeed in. But when they lost, because they were rebellious, when they lost their environment, ultimately they lost the destiny that God had for them. We've got people in our circles, we're talking charismatics who understand the, the, the full gospel, they understand the movings of the Holy Spirit, and they wonder and they ask, why hasn't God opened a door? It's because some of them have planted themselves in landfills. They hoot, holler, say shundai and interpret it, but they plant themselves in landfills. And we got we to understand and arise and make sure we're not planted in that which won't help the seed to produce. If you're planting yourself in things that are detrimental to your seed, awaken. Awaken. I mean, the next greatest thing we're going to have to deal with in the life of the church are people that are planting themselves in front of computers and other things that are getting things thrown in that are not producing what needs to be produced in their life. That's the next greatest thing. We're going to have to begin to ask ourselves, is this getting my seed to the place God wants it to be? This isn't about feeling good about ourselves. It's about getting to our purpose and our destiny. Destiny, I have come to the conclusion, isn't real complicated. It's not high tech. You don't have to go to the third heaven to understand what destiny is. It's fairly simple. And that is, I know God's given me purpose. I know he wants me to accomplish it and be fruitful and bless me. But I'm going to have to plant myself in an arena where that can begin to find fulfillment. That's why the Bible says plant yourself in the house of God. Plant yourself Besides streams of living water, plant yourself. Plant yourself. Where are you planted? Plant yourself. And that will begin to take place. Number two, you've got to begin to have faith that it will grow because the seed doesn't grow overnight, does it? It takes time. You were created to bear fruit. Therefore, it's not God's plan for anyone to be a loser. You need to believe that seed will grow. And there will always be voices to the contrary that will look at you and say, it won't happen, it can't happen. Just forget it, throw in the towel. I can remember telling my parents, and I love them, you've heard these stories, I'm not in any way dishonoring them, we all know it, and we've reconciled, and I can tell these cleanly and clearly, but I can remember being 18 years of age and telling my folks that God had called me to the ministry, and I can remember the response I got, and I can remember all the questions and all the challenges, and all the voices that looked at me and said, I can't believe you're making this particular choice. What did you do, pastor? I just kept my eyes on the seed that God had put in me. You just got to do it. I can remember you leave a denomination and, 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 and you begin to pursue the will of God and listening to friends and every, everybody around you begin to tell you that's not a good decision, that's not the thing you ought to do, what about this, what about that? What, how do you deal with all of this? You got to keep your focus. Give that seed time to grow. We've got to believe, we've got to believe. I, I remember when I went to Evangel Cathedral, Trace will remember this years ago, and, and I hadn't been there just real long, and, and out of Pastor Miles' benevolence, he, he wanted me to be on staff, and so he put me on staff, and I remember this guy stopped me in the hallway as I was walking down the hallway, and he just stopped me. I mean, out of the blue, just curveball out of the blue, he looked at me and he said, why you? Thanks for the encouragement. It's like, it's like come on, why would anybody do that? And, and you've got to just keep your eyes focused and have faith that what God has put in you will begin to be exposed and begin to grow. Your seed was designed to bear fruit, but you have to believe. In fact, I, I really appreciate my pastor in that regard because he saw something that I didn't even see probably at that moment. Number three, don't devalue your seed. Don't devalue your seed. You know, I mentioned earlier in the message that abortion is a blight on America for a lot of reasons. But if it represents anything, it certainly underscores as a culture our veneration of the now 
and our devaluing of the future. For those of you that have had children, and particularly in this modern era, I can remember going in when all of my children were, were growing in, in Tracy's womb, and they give you, you know, one of those sonogram deals. You know, some of you ladies have one of those sonogram things. And I'll never forget looking at the screen and the screen, you know, and it looks like, it looks like a bunch of bugs that hit your front window, you know, with a wiper. I mean, that's kind of what a sonic, you know, that's what they, I mean, they look at you and, and they start showing this and, and they go, do you see, do you see? And I'm, you know, I, of course I said, oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see anything. I just saw just, this is, it looked like, you know, we hadn't quite got the channel we were looking for is that's what it looked like to me. But, but, you know, but the nurse would be right there, you know, she'd be pointing it out. Can you see, can you see? There it is, and, and it was tough for me to see. And the reason is, it didn't look like a baby quite yet. Despite the fact that it is a life. And sometimes God gives us these, I call them spiritual sonograms. Imagine Jeremiah in the womb. And God says, in the womb, I've seated you to be a prophet. It don't look much like a prophet, but nonetheless, it's been seated to be a prophet. People may say right now, well, you know what? You don't look like a, you don't look in your current form like a minister. You don't look like a pastor. You don't look like a businessman. You don't look like a businesswoman. You don't look like, you know, butcher or baker or candlestick maker. You don't look like that. Have you ever found people when you said, you know, this is my dream. This is my aspiration. And they go, well, that's great. That's really nice. And they turn around and you know what they're saying. They're saying they don't look like that. I don't see how they're going to get there. It doesn't appear that way to me. But here's the key. God seeds, and you can't always instantly see that seed, but don't you devalue it. I mean, when David, when David became king, you remember the story. Uh, uh, Samuel came along, ready to anoint the next king. And so Jesse brings out all of his sons, and Samuel looks down. It was Samuel, wasn't it? Am I saying the right guy? Was it the prophet? Okay, I want to make sure I'm telling the right story here. All right, so he's looking down this line of, of these guys, and he says, nope, nope, oh, I like the suit, but nope, it's not you. And I mean, he's going down the line with all of these, these boys, and finally he looks at Jesse, and he says, God sent me here, but, but none of these are it, despite the fact they all look pretty good. And Jesse goes, well, I do have one little kid. He's out there watching the sheep. He ain't much. Bring him here. It was David. And no one could believe it was David. Nobody would look at David and say, there's a king. But a prophet who got the eyes of God was able to look into the heart and say, I can see the seed of greatness in you. Despite what your own family thinks, I can see that seed of greatness. Maybe you don't look like your destiny right now. Maybe you don't look like your purpose. I know most of your lives in here pretty well. And, and I understand sometimes life gets pretty tangled up and pretty messed up. And even you yourself would say, I, I don't see, I'm so tangled and messed up right now. I don't even see destiny in me. I break that. Don't you devalue that seed. God can raise you up out of the ashes. God can bring you up out of the problem. He can resurrect where there was death. Amen. Don't you devalue that seed. Amen. Number four, protect it. Protect the seed. You need to determine today to protect your destiny. Protect it. I see people all too often, they squander their destiny because of the moment. Something comes up, feels good, I'll do it. And you, and you lose your destiny. Jesus is in the wilderness, he's hungry, he's susceptible, he's tempted. The enemy offered a shortcut. Could make his flesh feel a little bit better. And Jesus ultimately said on three separate occasions, he says, no way, I'm not shortcutting my way to destiny, I am not going to... To somehow lose what God has called me to do. I want my purpose in God. Samson had a destiny as a judge. But he didn't protect it with Delilah. And because he didn't protect it with this woman. He forfeited ultimately what God would have had for him. Saul had a destiny as a king. But at the end of his life instead of protecting his destiny. He goes to see witches and psychics. And ultimately he takes his own life. Even David, as much as he loved God, and the Bible says that he had a heart after God, I don't believe David probably fulfilled everything he could have fulfilled because he lost and suspended his destiny because of a night that he was on a balcony looking down at Bathsheba when he should have been out fighting wars. I understand God forgives and he restores and praise God for that, but you've got to do your part to protect your destiny, to protect the purposes of God that are found in that seed. And then finally, you've got to challenge it. 
challenge the seed. And it took a while to get here, but this is, I think, the key point, that there is a seed of greatness in you. There is a seed of greatness in this congregation. There is a seed of greatness, I believe, in my life, in my household, in yours as well. You have demonstrated yourselves on different occasions throughout the years how that greatness will spring forth. But I believe, don't you, that there's a lot more fruit in the seed. I want to get everything out of that seed I can get. I, I don't want to live life and come up at the end and, and, and think that I didn't let that seed manifest the fullness of the harvest that was in there. And I don't think the seed that God has placed in you as a person and as us as a congregation, I don't think we've exhausted it all yet. You know, Jesus saw people's potential and he, and he challenged it. You know, last week we built, we built a memorial and you may not have thought about it last week, but that seed in you was being challenged at that particular moment. As to whether or not you were willing to step into maybe a new arena of faith and bless your heart, this congregation arose and said, there's, there's more fruit in the seed. Jesus saw potential in people and he would challenge it. He could see their greatness and what he would do is take a step. He would look at, at a boatload of disciples as he's walking on the water and he begins to challenge their seed of faith and belief and call them out of the boat and Peter jumps out of the boat. He's the only one and he starts to walk on the water. I, I want to be able to respond to the Lord and make sure everything that he's put in me gets out of me. It was the rich young ruler. You remember the rich young ruler Jesus challenged him, but, but he wasn't willing to respond to the challenge. And I always wonder for the rich young ruler, what would have happened if he determined to give it all away? The fishermen that were disciples that dropped their nets, they laid them down and they followed the Lord. A lot of times I believe we, we look at life with the wrong lenses. We look at life and we, we, we see great goals and we have vision and we know there's destiny. And as I mentioned to you these past weeks, we see these things on the basis of need, but we shouldn't see it on the basis of need. We should see it on the basis of seed, seed. God puts great things in us and then he challenges us to step and move ahead, not to overwhelm us, but to challenge us to tap into his resources. There's more fruit that needs to come from your seed. And I'm going to be honest, for me, it has almost become sin to settle for anything less than what God has seeded me to be. Why would you do that? Why would you settle for anything less than all that God has purposed for you? I know right now there are people who they can, God's sort of a take it or leave it part of their life. It's sort of a feature of their life. They know they need a little religion in order to do life well. They need some moral direction and guidance. And that's about all that the Lord is to them. Other than that, Thank you very much. I'll control my own life and I'll point my own life's direction. And thank you very much. I'm here to tell you that you are missing an adventure that when you reach the end of your life, you'll wish you'd taken the ride. Because God seated you, even where you are right now, in all, in all the resistance towards God you may have, he still seated you for greatness. Why would you settle for anything less than all that he would have for you, seeing how he created you and he knows you and he probably knows what's best for you? It's the last scripture and I'm done. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm really joking. Luke 13, 6. Listen to this, really. Jesus spoke a parable a certain man at a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not after that, you can cut it down. That's a really interesting parable to me. Because what it says here is, is that there's this fig tree. Let's just, let's just say that fig tree is a person. And, and Jesus is walking by and he sees this person. And he says, man, they're just taking up space. They're just existing. They're not bearing fruit. They're just kind of there. I just cut it down. It, it, it wouldn't make any difference whether they stayed or whether they went. Just cut them down. Isn't that sad? 
Would, would, would anything in this world really miss you if you were gone? Would there be a vacuum that would occur if all of a sudden you were off the scene? We see, I believe that since all of us are seated for some purpose in God, that if that were the case, then yes, there should be a vacuum. But it's sad to think that you could absolutely go and everybody go, oh, they're not here anymore? Oh, okay. And they just go on. But he says, so cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, he says, wait just a moment. Let me do a couple of things. Let me dig a little bit into their life. And let me throw a little fertilizer on them. I won't be crude. But sometimes the Lord wants to dig in your life, and sometimes he makes you walk through a little poo-poo. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. He makes you walk through that in order that he can get something out of you. Can I just say this? And I I really, I'm meaning to be cute and funny and not offensive, but you know, if there's a little poo-poo in your life, Praise God, because he might be trying to get some fruit out of you. He might be breaking you out of some hard ground. He might be chiseling some hard ground. He's putting a little fertilizer around you, trying to to get you to the place where you will ultimately arise and say, I don't care, I don't care about the fertilizer, I don't care, I want my seed to bear fruit. And he's calling forth a generation to bear fruit in the earth. He's calling a people to rise up in the earth and not just exist or take up space, but fulfill their destiny and bear much fruit. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Guys, I'm here to tell you, this is my prayer. This is my prayer, not just for my life, but it's my, our, my prayer for all of us, is that if legacy were to somehow go and just suddenly vanish, there would be a vacuum in the spiritual climate of our city. Because I'm just here to tell you, some churches could instantly leave and nobody would know. I want it to be legacy is is bearing fruit. We're moving in our destiny, our corporate purposes, our individual purposes. And I'm here to tell you, I I want to reach the place where, where Charleston doesn't put up with us. They can't survive without us. Amen. 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 You ready for your seed to bear some fruit? Stand with me, will you? Real quick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Clay, can I ask you just to come and, and, and begin to play? Maybe it was that last song in the set that you were, you were playing. That last song. Father, I pray right now for revelation to come across the congregation. Lord, let there be an unveiling in the eyes of your people right now. That no matter what we might think of ourselves or no matter what we might think even of one another, that Lord, right now, there's a seed in us as a people to do great things for you in the kingdom. And Lord, I pray right now, that you would begin to unveil that awareness and that knowledge and that understanding in the eyes of everyone here in this place. I pray, Lord, right now that that it wouldn't cause haughtiness or arrogance, but there would be a true humility that would sweep in behind that to to begin to think, Lord, that you 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 would tap us for such noble purposes in your kingdom. Help us to somehow get a hold of the fact that no matter where we are at this moment, It's not where we're ultimately going to land. You've got something for us that needs to be expressed in our lives. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come one more time and that you would cause us to see as you see. And Lord, let it be something that's attractive and magnetic. Lord, I ask today, I know sometimes the fear of the Lord will bring people to a place where they'll say, I I need to get right with God. But Lord, I'm... I'm just praying that today that somehow if they could just sense their purpose in you and that they're missing a greater, a greater awareness, a greater life, a greater adventure, that there would be something in them that would begin to tingle. And that would be that seed, that seed 
beckoning them to get back on track, beckoning them to make it right with their God, beckoning them to get their sins under the blood, beckoning them to adjust and reprioritize and reorder so that they might be spent in a cause that's eternal. I ask you, Spirit of God, to begin to do that right now. Do that right now. Unveil that right now. Lord, I ask that you would go now to the people who are working or are laboring in ordinary, mundane, out-of-the-way, nobody-knows places. Help them right now, Lord, to see. To see that you are the God that can pull them out of that sheep field like you did David. And you can, you can get them to where they need to be. Help them to see that right now. I break any discouragement and frustration over the people in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know how week-to-week existence can be frustrating. I break that in the name of Jesus. That you will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. That you will rise up with wings as eagles. That your youth will be restored. That the restoration of the years might come back to you. That your strength will come and be exuded because you're not laboring now just to maintain or laboring to exist. You're laboring for God's greatness in you, that seed. Lord, let them begin to sense that right now. That in the ordinary things, that you're doing something great. We're going to speak a future right now over us and the people. I want it to be an encouraging day. Let me just say this. If you, if you aren't right with God, you need to step out too. And you need to come down here and make your heart right with God before you go today. But I'm going to be praying for everybody. Just one invitation right now. We're going to get that seed activated right now. We're going to call forth every piece of fruit in you that God designed to come forth right now. I'm going to milk my seed for all it's worth. You need to do that too. You need to get the highest yield possible. If my choice is 30, 60, 100, then why don't we believe for 100 right now? Amen. And if you're ready for that to start happening in your life, if you're ready to get serious, don't come down here with a selfish pursuit. Don't you do that. Don't you come down here thinking, well, I, I just, you know, I'm just, I, God's called me to be a millionaire so I can go drive the, you know, five cars and have three homes and, you know, I can take world trips, you know, every two months. Just, just stay. But if you're about kingdom purpose and you're willing to die to the self-agendas and the self-issues, and if you're willing to enter into that death and say, God, use me up for your purposes. Use me up so you might be great in my life. Then I've got good news. God will do it. And it will be the best ride. It will be the most satisfying fulfillment, contentment you'd ever have. I'm telling you, it'll happen, but we've got to do it for the right reasons. If that's you, you come right now with me. We're going we're gonna to give our lives to what God's asking of us right now. Come on. Just sing a little bit. Can we do that? There is no one else for me. Yes. None but, but Jesus. A crucified to set me free. Now I live to bring him praise. And all my delight it's is in you, Lord. All of my hope, all of my strength. And all my delight is in you, Lord. Forevermore. All my delight. It's in you, Lord. In you, Lord. All of my hope, all of my strength, all my delight is in you, Lord, Alright, here's what we're going to do right now. I want you to believe with me right now. We're going to pray right now. We're going to activate stuff right now. Come on now. I'm just going to talk to your seed right now. In the name of Jesus, 
We, we, just, we just light up that seed right now. We light that seed up in you right now in the name of, Je- in the name of Jesus right now. Just, just ignite, ignite. We say come forth right now. Come forth in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, come on out. Bear fruit right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm talking to your seed right now. Greatness. Come on out right now in the name of Jesus. We're activating that thing right now. Come on, right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Come on, yield that fruit. Yield that fruit right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. You're going to bear much fruit. You're going to bear much fruit. Much fruit in the name of Jesus. It's going to happen right now in Jesus' name. You're going to bear much fruit. Much fruit. Hallelujah. Much fruit, much fruit. Come on now. Even in the latter years, much fruit. Much fruit, much fruit. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 